welcome back to another episode of the Excellence Cartel. Today, we're joined by Brandon again to discuss the application of G-Flux. Brandon, we had a lot of good feedback about that podcast, my man. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting a little bit deeper on the actual application because you just blew everyone away with what you shared last week on the education side. But first, I got to ask how... Uh, I got to ask how Sue's doing, how um, it is, dude, I, you know the video, what I told you, what it looked like you were doing when you were watering your flowers, but how is the domesticated home life for you? Oh, I love it, man. Um, you know, as people on social media land saw, I had my landscaping done. So I think all the things I wanted to do to my house have now been completed. So I'm, I'm a little like bored. I'm thinking about what else I can, I can work on, you know? Um, I'm sure I'll figure it out. I'm um, working on onboarding for clients right now. Business has not slowed down one bit for me this summer, which is great. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has supported me. Um, other than that, you know, not not too much, man. Just cranking along. Oh, I joined TikTok. Um, and one you're on my, fucking TikTok. I'm on TikTok. And one of oh, my fuck, I gotta get a TikTok. Now. Are you gonna dance? Damn it. Got 11,000 11, views. Are you, you got 11,000 views? 11,000 views on one, one of my posts. Yeah, the other what one. Was it? What kind of post was it? It was a transformation post. Did you post it straight on TikTok or post it on Instagram? I posted it right on, right on TikTok and I just do a voiceover and I just talk about, you know, what my client did. But TikTok is really cool. Like, of course, it's all kids on it, right? But there are so many things that you can do on it. So many yep. functions and like ways that you can present information. It's really wild, but it's something that I'll be sort of exploring in my spare time. So I'll be honest with you. I thought about looking, I looked into the viability of it and got lost looking at statisticians. And I found this one chick who reviewed all these skin products and I got like sucked in her videos for like it's an crazy. hour. Yeah. I was so fucking high too, but it was really good. Uh, <laughs> Jason, how's your last seven days been, man? Uh, you know what? Um, you know, I'm in prep, so you know how that goes. It's up and down. Um, low energy, but, you know, still getting all my work done. Uh, business is great. I mean, I'm still getting new clients. Uh, I did raise my rates some. Um, let's see. Uh, like I said, my Elkhorn will be here around. Well, it shipped August 26. So let's just call it early September. Um we're also coming out with a really cool ass protein called uh, M, M, I'm going to butcher this. It's I M M O N L I N, ammoniolin. I can't say it, man. We're going to call it mucosal repair. <laughs> um, but basically, it really helps repair the gut tissue lining. Uh, I have an educational meeting on it tomorrow uh, with the patent owner. Um, so, really? Yeah, we're really looking forward to that. And it's going to carry like, 13 grams of protein per scoop, I think. So it, it doubles as both, but it's going to be great for leaky gut, SIBO issues, just anyone with, you know, basically mucosal lining issues. It's going to be pretty badass. So we got some really cool things in the pipeline. Um, so, but yeah, I'm kind of brain dead at times. Uh, seeing new lines, you know, how it goes like today I was really flat and just didn't like my pictures and just like, oh, you know, this is, that, um, that's not changing but then other days i'll think i look great and i'm changing so i don't know it's just the up and downs of prep you'd think by now i didn't have those feelings and thoughts but you still do no matter how long you've done this shit so uh five and a half weeks to san antonio seven and a half to kentucky kentucky pros in louisville uh, it's about an hour and 20 minutes south of me 
so I can drive. It should be an easy little drive. And um, that's the show that I'm, I'm really, really pushing for. I mean, I want to be ready in San Antonio, obviously, but uh, the Kentucky Pro is the one I really want on my own, my own turf. Oh, beautiful, man. Uh, when is that show again? Uh, that when is October 16th weekend. October 16th. You know, if I am not busy, which I don't know my life anymore, I will come up there and cheer for you. I might even get a giant picture of your face and like wear it over my head. The more cheer, the better. All right. All right. Maybe I'll bring K-Diddy. K-Diddy likes to watch you. Uncle Jay Flex. Bring him. Oh, yeah. So like my last seven days were good. Had a good weekend uh, with Keegan. Um, Hired Jason Coley's to take over my training. For the first time in 25 years, I hired someone else to strictly program my training. And I was both landing and I got absolutely fucking wrecked on legs yesterday and chest and shoulders, triceps day. We fared no better. Um, it was really cool to have someone else do this for me. Um, you know, cause Jason handles my nutrition and, and now it's the point where we chat back and forth about what we're both seeing. But in, you know, in the beginning I did the trackers and understood all those kind of things, but this is really cool to have someone else handle my training and some of those activation and warmups, man, were just amazing for how my training ended up really turning into um, and how I was able to get more out of less. So I'm looking forward to see how this goes because um, that's the only thing I've got to work on is my legs. So I'll step back on stage and my legs have improved. That's kind of where I'm at. But otherwise, man, it's all good. I'm happy. Um, i to leave here after this and go on a dinner with Chelsea. And otherwise, Brandon, how are you doing, man? That fucking shirt, that's a good color. Is that like express V-neck? What do we got going on? It actually is from Express, my man. Damn, you're yes, good. Yes, I know. I know. It's that mint green. That's why you were able yep. to tell. But you know, yep, Express, I know. But you know me too well, my man. Uh, I, the last I week has been productive, guys. Um, you know, it's already started full-blown uh, my competition season for competitors in terms of the summer. A lot of guys competing from now through November. Uh, so I just had uh, one of my pros compete this past weekend. Uh, he took fourth, so it was a great start to the, uh, the season. Okay. And uh, just really been busy with that, really busy with clients. I am taking this weekend off. This I haven't been able to do anything all summer because I've been uh, recovering from um, surgery. And I actually haven't done anything for myself since I went out to the PEC. So it's been since May. So this weekend, my girlfriend and I are going to go up to upstate New York. Uh, we have a cabin rented out. So we're going to relax. You know, I'm going to turn off my phone for a bit and just decompress and relax because that's something that I'm learning both for myself and then from other people. I've talked to Jason about this quite a, a number of times. We got to know how to pull back. And I'm always reinforcing that to clients, you know, the um, necessity and the importance of de-stressing, decoupling from different stressors in your life. And I need to be uh, better about them myself. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing on my birthday week and headed out to Asheville and tell clients like, hey. You got basically third till third Wednesday night to get it into me. And I'm going to look at Thursday once Thursday afternoon hits. I'm, I'm off the grid. So you hear from me Monday morning, I'm going to do the same thing. So good for you, man. Good for you. Um, real quick guys. I want to go over a couple of our sponsors. We have the first form event that is still a go. We is still open. We have seats available. $300 is all about the business stuff. We know that we probably, you know, you're wondering what you're going to get out of it. What you're going to get out of it is a lot of information to help you really scale your businesses. And majority of it's the networking. And Brandon can attest from being at the most recent PEC that the networking and what you just, it's just the energy is electric. So um, be sure to check us out, www.theexcellencecartel.com. 
all the proceeds benefit 30 for the kids. And at the very least, it's going to be a hell of a good time. We have Jeff presenting, myself, Jason, Laura Conlon, Jamie Filer on behalf of TRM, and Nick Ross with NCI. Um, so if you're looking to understand sales, systemization, social media marketing, um, Jason's talking about, I can't, I always thank your, your, your topic because you changed it. Uh, no, I mean, so I'm just doing like innovation within business, how, how to create basically income streams from coaching. Like how can you create passive, but also maybe streams that aren't passive from being a coach. And so I talk about all the different revenue streams that, that I've created to get their juices flowing, basically. Yep. And then I'm presenting on leadership. It's going to be a hell of a good time, guys. But best of all, it's always a good time to hang out with us. Um, I wish there was a mechanical bowl there so Sue could do a repeat, but we'll do our best to find one for the PEC5 in Dallas, which will be in January. Brandon Cruz will actually be joining us on that panel as well. And then so will hopefully Matt, fingers crossed, can make it from Canada, who will represent TRM um, at the PEC because we're going to have business and marketing and all that good stuff be on Friday. And the main top, main headliners of like, the usual educational stuff that the PEC is known for. So we are looking forward to continuing to grow that. And we'll look forward to Dallas in January. But in the meantime, be sure to check out a little bit about Matt, who runs TRM, who Jason and I use with our coaches, www.matthewpark.com with one T backslash the TEC. And then we got the Amino Pure, Team Amino Pure. Oh, uh, yeah. Was it team dash amino? It's amino dash pure. So it's amino dash pure.com if you're looking for the website. Beautiful. Discount codes TC15. Guys, you're talking to a bunch of the older people here uh, who haven't really had a chance. Like I did a whole prep without fat burners, but he's got some really cool shit that I'm thinking about trying to <laughs> like the Helios and all that. He's got IGF1. Um, I can tell you the injectable carnitine is awesome. And I'm going to try his arms out. So be sure to check them out, TEC15. That helps support all the events we do at the Excellence Cartel because it helps us bring Thayer along to support us. Yeah, if I want to add something real quick about the event at First Form and about the content presented there, and that is that for those of you who are coaches out there at whatever level that you may be at, whether you're at a 1K month, a 10K month, or a 20K month, the thing you got to understand about business is that your strategy and your perception of the industry and your competitive space has to change as you grow. The strategy that you use when you begin is not the strategy you use when you're at 10K versus 20K versus 50 and beyond. Um, and so at the event, we have a collection of coaches at, at a variety of different stages of their business growth cycles and people who have seen it all. Um, so that, like, that, that collection of knowledge that's going to be delivered there is like, you can't put a price tag on that. You can't find that anywhere in one single source. So if you can make it, I know it's short notice, but if you can make it, this event will change your business tra trajectory. I, I guarantee that. Yep. And it's not only that, like, it's all the shit you learn, but like networking, like your network is, is so important in coaching. It really is. Um, you know, all the people that you can rub shoulders with and get into bed with, really. I mean, for lack of a better word. Into bed with. You know, I mean, it's true. Um, so you come down here. those type of uh, things alone when you come to these events, it really, it, it really helps. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, and you guys will see, we're going to start talking more about, um, the benefits of the PEC from a lot of the people who've been. So Brandon, I'd be hitting you up for a video talking about it. 
Um, Without a doubt, actually, just just to add in to to just from my perspective, being someone that paid to come out to one of your guys' events, I want to say just openly to the audience, like these guys are incredible. You hear them on the on the uh, weekly podcast every week, disseminating information and giving out advice. But they're the same way in person. It's a really close knit group. I got to train with Jeff. You know, what I mean, I was able. Jason took me aside, gave me a lot of business advice. He opened up, you know, part of his systems and, and really things that I appreciated. I've been at this almost 10 years and I learned an immense amount within that weekend. And I am the type of person I've invested over six figures into my education in terms of online accreditations, seminars in person. But I will say, and, and maybe I'm a little bit biased because I am, you know, close with these guys, but I will say that this was the best networking event in conjunction with educational content. Because a lot of times it's one-sided. You'll have a mentorship or a mindset type of thing. And I've done those as well. And they're great, but it's more about the networking. You're really not extrapolating a lot of great information that's applicable to the actual ins and outs, the X's and O's of coaching. And then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where it's really educational, but no one's networking. It's all very um I guess, solely focused and one-track minded individuals that they're just there for the educational content, which is great. I'm a big advocate of continuing education, but I'm the type of person I want to mix. I want to have these intermissions in between. And that's something that these guys really encourage. They have group training, um, you know, programs in terms of coming into the gym. It's open gym. You get to interact with people that do the same things as you, both on your level and at a much higher level. And everyone's super friendly. And it's a very encouraging environment. So I came myself, I celebrated my birthday down there. I brought my girlfriend who is not a coach, but she is a competitor and she loved it just, just as much as I did. So this is for all different types of people. So I would definitely suggest and encourage anyone out there that's hesitant or thinking about it, jump on board. Don't be scared of the risk and realize that this is, you're going to gain some new friends and some new mentors in the process of having attended this event. Yep. Thanks for all that, man. Hell, you just crushed it. Um, got nothing else to say there. So since I've got your undivided attention last week, we talked about the education on G-Flux. You know, we talked about a little application and things like that came out through the natural passiveness of the conversation. But today we wanted to really talk about the application. So we, I think the best way that we can agree to maybe approach this is let's talk about like clients, like different settings and examples of where you use the G-Flux from your moms to your competitors, to your CEO entrepreneurs, to, you know, maybe your construction workers who already have a high G-Flux and things like that. So I'd really like to kind of, break it down this way and kind of start going from there. So pick one case study and let's start talking. Okay. So I want to just take a high level view just because I got a lot of questions from the audience on applications of G-Flux. So I just want to tie just a bow on what we spoke about last week and want to just mention that using a high energy flux model or approach is most effective when you're looking at the fat and weight loss maintenance period. As you know, being highly physically active allows you to eat more and remain weight stable at a higher caloric intake than you would be able to eat otherwise. You know, um, a lot of people came to me about using it in a diet. And if you are already in the tail end of your dieting, you are not going to be able to get yourself in a high flux state. Think about it. Like what I I spoke about last week is high energy intake in terms of food, high physical activity levels. I had a lot of people in the audience reach out, hey, I'm three to four weeks out from a show. At this point, they're already on very low level calories. So it's really an application as with anything in fitness, it's a long-term investment. So Jeff 
saw the benefits of having utilized it 16 weeks out and at the beginning of his prep, he was able to build into the system where he kept putting more energy into the system and getting more energy out. And the same thing could be said about Jason. So really, this is an approach that I use, especially with all my clients, honestly, at this point, but especially with lifestyle clients and competitors during either their reverse diet or maintenance phases, as I'll keep their activity up while increasing calories, which allows them to eat more and feel better, but not suffer those rapid rebounds in weight that many suffer post-dieting. And that's what we really see. We see rapid rebounds, fat accumulation, body fat overshooting. And that's why the recidivism rates of dieting and of uh, diets in general are so high. 95% of diets fail. So from there, you know, I implement it in a very uh, individualized manner in terms of how I approach it, but it always starts with a high level structure. So what I'm looking at when someone comes to me and they're, you know, I'm looking at what they're doing currently. It's always about looking at things from where the client is, meeting them where they are. You know what I mean? So whether it's a mom, whether it's, you know, a competitor, whether it's just a lifestyle client, I'm looking at what their current maintenance calories are and their physical activity levels. So for instance, we'll take a case study of like a lifestyle client. Most lifestyle clients come to me with a fairly low activity level and step count. A lot of times either they're not tracking it mm-hmm. or they're a lot more sedentary than they realize they are because they've yeah. never tracked those variables. And we, I'm sure as online coaches, say Jason or Jeff or, you know, um, Jeff, you know, when you guys, before tracking steps, you probably didn't realize how little steps you took as an online coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause I, I know I'll tell you from my perspective, when I went into an office, I was stunned how little, how truncated my activity levels were as a result. So when a, you know, a client comes to me in that sense, I'm trying to first bring about awareness. And then the next thing I'm looking at is what is their maintenance calorie intake? And often what I see is they're unhappy with what they're currently eating to maintain their weight because anytime they decide to eat off their plan or go out to eat with the family or they have a holiday meal, they'll tell me that the meals stick to them and cause weight gain, which is because you have to think about it theoretically. If you have a low maintenance calorie intake because your total daily energy expenditure is low, then having one plan off, you know, one off plan meal is essentially putting you in a surplus that they don't have the metabolic rate or energy expenditure to buffer. So this is where, when they first come to me, I'm looking at those bare bones basics. And that's where from there, I'm looking to essentially reestablish their, their baseline maintenance intake over about one to two weeks before going into a reverse dieting phase. Cause I want to build up not only their intake, but their energy expenditure. So once I get that, that one to two week period and I find what their real maintenance level is, I'm going to start the reverse dieting phase. I'm going to start titrating up calories based on the macros they need to prioritize most. So for instance, if someone is under eating carbs, but they have a sufficient amount of protein and fats, I'm going to look to adding more carbs first and I'll, I'll put more energy into their system through that. Oftentimes, especially with my female clients that come to me, especially uh, weight, uh, you know, lifestyle clients, they're, they're under eating protein. So I'm going to titrate that up in conjunction with carbohydrates. I'm going to give them more of an energy substrate, but more of something to maintain muscle tissue and build from. And then from there, I'm monitoring, I'm I'm not doing anything with activity yet. So that it's not, I'm not throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. And that's a mistake. A lot of people make what they'll do is they'll change the, the client's intake in terms of calories and their output. And they're not even, they don't even see what's keeping them at maintenance. So they don't even know where they are at a low flux state to be able to transition them into a high flux state. So this is something I had to learn through my own experience. I mean, a lot of times 
you know, a lot of coaches, they're throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. We have to utilize independent variables and assess instead of guessing. So once I build up their maintenance intake over a few weeks and I see how they're responding, what I'm really looking to is to monitor their body's biofeedback to see their natural response to going to a surplus. Last week, Jeff, we hit on the fact that in overfeeding studies, we see a huge variability between people's genetic response in terms of activity levels to a surplus of calories. So that's what I'm really trying to look at. On my end, I know how much of an increase we should be seeing weekly from a scale weight perspective while I'm building up their calories, but I'm also gauging their individual meat response. So I'm looking at whether, you know, I'm having them start tracking their steps. I'm seeing whether their baseline meat levels tracked through steps are going up, they're staying constant, or some people, you know, actually decrease expenditure and they actually do less activity in the face of overfeeding. So once I've collected that data, I then start titrating calories up along with their activity to get their calorie intake and energy expenditure higher on both sides, which is going to put them into that higher flux state. So really that's, that's how I, I apply it practically in the beginning. And from there, it's all individualized. Awesome. I have to say something on that. So if for me, I agree with you. I think that what main what helped me during prep was I started it at 13 weeks out, started the steps and just said, Hey, I'm going to go with this the whole way. I agree. If I had started at the high food point, I think it would have been a probably not a really good thing for me of interesting note. I was looking at my phone because during that, cause I was like, I think my phone would track that. So I notoriously just keep my phone on me. And last year I walked an average of 1.2 miles a day. And this year I'm walking an average of three miles a day. So that was a huge difference. And I'm active at the gym, you know, walking around training clients, but you're right. You know, there's lots of, a lot of loss of activity there. So that being said, like you have people use an office space as an example, business executive, female, male, what are you going to work with them on? And how are you going to do it? You're going to institute like maybe steps after meals, or are you going to like, talk to them about maybe looking at standing at their desk. What are the different options you're going to utilize here? Yeah, you're, you're headed right in the same direction. So what I first do is I, I always see an educated client is a more compliant client. So I first educate sure. them on why we're doing this. This is why I do podcasts like this. I could send it right to them. I mean, I'm trying to get them to understand a lot of people have a misconception. And this was something we covered last year in the podcast that I did on metabolic adaptation. They confuse their resting metabolic rate for their metabolism, not realizing that your metabolism is encompassed by four components. It's your total, it's your total daily energy expenditure. That is, yes, your resting metabolic rate, the thermic effect of the food that you eat, your exercise activity thermogenesis, but mostly it's the need. So it's, you know, most people's resting metabolic rates are pretty similar, but where you see a ma massive difference in energy expenditures through their need levels. So it's not that someone's leaner or can eat more calories than you just because their metabolic rate is higher. It's actually because they're more active. And we see that in clinical studies with people of the same weight and body composition differing in terms of calorie expenditure just through need of up to 2000 calories. So I first educate them on need because it's the most highly variable. And so when I go through some of the things that I do with people, I want people to realize, yes, I'm saying move more, eat more because that's a simplified version. That's easy for people to comprehend. But often what they hear and what's really being applied are two different things. They think I'm saying, well, if you do a bunch of cardio, then you get to eat. Well, not everyone has that time. So Jeff, in the case of a business professional, which I work with many, I'm looking at different aspects. I'm, I'm explaining that part of variations in meat are environmental. 
So think about it. In most of American you know, cities and stuff, we're not walking. We are highly sedentary. And if you're at an office job all day, you're burning hardly any calories. So that's where I'm, I'm just trying to get them to be more intentional about their activity. You know, for instance, going from sitting to standing can burn about an extra calorie a minute, which may not seem like a lot. But when you consider that the average person can go from burning 640 calories through the resting metabolic rate sitting at their desk for an eight hour shift to 1200 calories by simply just standing and moving around a little bit for those eight hours, you realize how much these little things add up. So in the case of you know, an office worker, I'm having them use a standing desk if possible. If not, I'm having them do walk breaks. So I'm almost using a Pomodoro method, like someone would do to break up their work space. Hey, for every 55 minutes that you're at the office sitting down, go for a five minute walk. I've worked in an office myself. I know that no one's going to stipulate you if you go for a five minute bathroom break every hour. So I'm just trying to get that movement. I also incorporate post-meal walks and that's for a variety of benefits that I've shared with you before, Jeff. We're looking at lower blood glucose excursions. We're looking at better glycemic control. So better, uh, you know, essentially uh, insulin sensitivity. We're looking at better digestion. We're looking at that J-shaped curve that I hit on last week with the appetite control. So after a meal, it's going to help you feel more satiated and be more sensitive to those satiety signals. Because a lot of times people eat and they don't feel, because they eat so quickly. Think about it. You're at your desk, you're stressed, they're eating quickly. They're not getting a good appetite response. And that often leads them to snacking an hour or two later because they're not feeling that hunger sensation actually be quenched until 20 minutes later. But if you do a post-meal walk, you not only will notice that your food will sit better, you won't have as much digestive discomfort, as much gas, bloating, all those types of symptoms, but you'll also notice that you'll be more satiated from that meal because it's sending a, a regulatory signal to the brain that you have enough energy in the system. You just put some energy in and now you utilize some yep. of that energy. So it's sending a signal to the body. Hey, I, I have sufficient supply and you're not burning a ton within that period. So it's not only about the calorie expenditure. It's about that difference in need. I have other individuals now in, you know, post COVID, we're looking at a lot of people working at home. So I'm having them utilize different implementations. So I don't know if you guys have seen like the, um, the treadmill desks. I have a couple clients that have those. Now what's yeah. interesting about that is that hear this out. If you were to sit down and just do your work, you would burn about 80 calories uh, a, uh, an hour. If you are to walk at one mile per hour during that hour, and that is the starting speed of a treadmill. So we could do all our work. We could be at a computer. Believe me, I've done it myself. You would burn 197 calories per hour just for that. So yeah. it's almost at 120 calorie increase just from that, from going at a sedentary pace. If you increase that to two miles per hour, it's 235 calories per hour. So think about that just in the span of an hour. You went from burning 800 calories to 235, so almost three times the amount. So it's, it's these little things that we implement that I'll do within the office day, but I'm also having them tie activities to their activities of daily living. So like with the meals, I'm doing that on their lunch break. Hey, go for a walk. When you wake up in the morning, go outside, go for a 10 minute walk, things that they'll tie with their routine, because that's how we reinforce habits and modify behaviors. If it's something that you just do, you know, at any sporadic time of the day, it's very, it's a lot less likely that you'll consistently doing do it. So it's, my titration method is based off of what their schedule looks like, what they can feasibly do, and then what does their day look like? I'm asking my clients, break down your day for me. Tell me when you have breaks. Tell me when you, you utilize certain things. Do you go pick up your kids? Well, when you pick them up at school, go for a walk around the school with them. It's good for them and it's good for you. So I'm trying to make sure that 
yes, I want physical activity enforced in their daily lifestyle. I want to use some exercise, but I don't want them to look at it like I have to go utilize a treadmill first thing in the morning and before I go to bed, because those are habits that they're going to be the hardest to implement, but the easiest to discard when life gets hectic. That's a really good point. What you just said, that very last sentence. Um, I've seen it in the real world. Yeah, you summed that up like beautifully. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's the little things that add up over time and however you can get them in and tie them to, you know, that habit structure. That's the way a coach should work. So thank you. What does a treadmill desk cost? Do you know? I've seen different estimates. I've seen them anywhere from $300, which is more of like a self-made one to up to a thousand dollars. I have a client. He's, he's an NY, a New York executive. He's got a, a very nice version. I mean, it looks like an office on wheels, to be honest with you. And uh, I believe it was about $800. So I'm not saying that that's feasible for everyone, but think about it like this. We're talking, we're talking about pulling energy through the system so you can eat more. Well, who's to say that you can't get one of those little, and I've done this at an office because I did have an, a corporate office job. I put one of those little uh, life cycles under my desk and I would just uh, you know pedal during the day. It's not just about movement in terms of steps. That is one way that I utilize with my clients because it's an easy metric to track. Hey, listen, I need you to get 8,500 steps per day. And so what I really try to do is I don't only focus on the need aspect and telling them how it's going to increase their total daily energy expenditure, but I also focus on the health aspect because there are different signals that our body gets from physical exercise in terms of weight training and then from physical activity levels. So we've actually seen in in clinical studies that there are highly active individuals, quote unquote, in terms of them weight training, they utilize, you know, they're in the gym four or five times a week, but they're metabolically unhealthy from a blood glucose and blood lipids perspective. So they'll do things like glucose oral tolerance tests and lipid metabolism tests, which is essentially they'll take someone that regularly exercises, they'll have them exercise the night before, but they'll keep them sedentary for a few days. And the next morning when they do a glucose, what they call a challenge test, a meal challenge test, they actually show signs of being type two diabetic in terms of their insulin resistance and their fat metabolism. So we have to realize that it's not just about weight training, training, you know, lifting isn't enough, you know, doing exercise one time per day isn't enough. If you're going to be sitting on your ass compensating the rest of the day, you're going to be burning less calories and you're going to be metabolically inflexible to your ability to properly utilize carbohydrates for high intensity fuel, as well as fats for low intensity fuels are going to be mixed up. And you're not going to be able to properly regulate your usage of fuel, but also you're not going to get the body composition results you want. Because if you're not able to oxidize fat at low intensities of exercise, you're not going to efficiently burn fat when trying to lose body fat. That's actually a very good point. I want to knock on two things. Jason, Amazon's got a treadmill desk for about 800 bucks. It mm-hmm. looks like a space station. Um, secondly, <laughs> I, want to bring up, I want to bring up something that you touched on, the key points about having why you would want to do a G-Flux lifestyle. I want to bring up something from an online coaching perspective. I think we could all agree as coaches that when you're in this space, you're, you get a lot of emotional dumping and a lot of mental dumping, right? And you have to absorb that and then coach people out of these things. And oftentimes it leaves us very, either you get on, you get on edge, you get tense, you get very drained, you want to disconnect. And I can say that those steps after meals, those little breaks for me did so much for my mental health. Like it was little resets all throughout the day for me to like be able to like refocus 
and go back into work, then my productivity changed. Like it's completely different now. Um, so from a coaching perspective, I would dare say it was probably far the greatest thing I ever did was putting the steps after meals for my mental health um, because it was able to, like I said, allow me to recharge. So I wanted to kind of throw that out there as like a, a caveat because we're talking about these different types. With that being said, um, guys, you have another one that you want to ask? We've covered what? The businessman? We've covered, oh, moms. How are we going to deal with that? Okay, so this is my whole thing. I, I work with a lot of house mothers. I work yeah. with a lot of soccer moms, things like that. So what I try to get across to them is that it's any type of activity. Let's tie it to things you have to do. So I'll ask, what are things that you commonly do? Hey, I have to take my kid to soccer practice. Okay, let's go for a walk around the fields. I, I also tie it into find forms of physical activity that you love. For instance, for me, I love to go hiking. And I also take most of my work-related calls, either standing or walking around my place. I'll go outside. Jeff, you tied the same habit. You would take calls with parts of your, you know, components of your team after meals while on the phone. So you had productivity. You were able to get something done productively. It made the time pass by, but you also got the benefits of getting those steps in. You know, for some people, moms especially, I'll have them, you know, just garden, you know, once per day or go for a walk in nature or take their kids to the park. You know, it could be anything from biking, swimming. I have guys that, you know, I have, uh, especially parents, that they're not really big into weight training. You know what I mean, but I'll ask him, listen, what did you love doing growing up? What was an activity you would love to get back into? You know, I have one guy, he loves soccer. So I got him to sign up for a rec soccer league. It doesn't have to be things that we're intentionally thinking, hey, it's got to be steps on the treadmill. It's got to be in, in the gym. No, mm-hmm. let's disassociate the exercise component from the movement component. You can move your body in just ways that you love and get so many physical benefits. So yes, you know, I'm a body composition coach. I'm a nutrition coach. I'm very heavily centered on the physical activity aspect. I want them training sufficiently hard. I want them doing some type of challenging cardiovascular work, but that's only a component of their day. The rest of the day, I just want them physically active and not sitting on their ass watching Netflix. So it could be for mothers. Sometimes I'll say, hit a cleaning goal, literally hit a cleaning goal, sweep your house once per night. Or instead of You know, one of the biggest correlates that we actually see in research to the obesity epidemic was the invention of dishwashers, which I find extremely interesting. So just the act of not washing your dishes anymore has some correlations. That doesn't mean causations. So let's let's keep that in mind. But there's correlations with an increase in obesity as a result. So it's little things. Think about gamifying things. I'll have people have their their step counts where they'll do it inside their house, where they'll play with their kids. There's so many different activities that are so outside of the box. What I really try to do is I won't ask, I won't say, listen, I want you to be more active to my client. I'll say, well, what are things that you love to do? Like that besides watching movies, besides going out to eat, besides drinking alcohol with my lifestyle clients. Like other than that, do you like dancing? I have certain parents. I have a couple mothers that I had them sign up for a dancing class and they do that with their husband a couple times per week. That's a great physical activity. I don't know about you guys. You ever spend a whole night dancing in the club? You're drenched. It's a yeah, great activity. Man. By far so my best we, memory is LSD and going to the gay bar. Yeah. <laughs> you burned no. a ton of calories doing it. Oh, I did. I was drenched in sweat and AI hop later to refuel, of course. So, <laughs> so it's, it's all about it. really what I try to do, especially with a lot of these concepts and a lot of these applications is I'm trying to reset people's mindset towards activity, towards exercise. I don't want, I'm always trying to reframe people to realize that 
This is something that you get to do, not something that you have to do. And this is something that could have multiple benefits. And it's amazing what you could do. And there's a placebo effect behind it. There's actually a, a randomized control study that looked at telling maids in New York City that their job was a good form of exercise. And within a four week time period, they saw better weight loss, uh, improvements in blood pressure and blood glucose without making any interventions. They told one group, listen, what you do as um, a uh, career hits all the physical activity guidelines and the next group, they didn't tell them anything. And then they tracked them and they didn't make any changes to their daily lifestyle, but knowing that they were doing something that they already were doing within their, their daily lifestyle and that it was healthy and it was helpful, saw a spontaneous increase in these health markers. So I, that's why I really center home in educate first, increase awareness, and then try to tie things to habits so that it's habitual and it's something consistent because this is, it really comes back. Coaching is not about just the X and O's of macros and nutrition and sets and reps. It's about the practical application and the fact that we need to have a client do things consistently to actually see the results we're looking for. So if I just did step counts and cardio and a client could only, you know, stay consistent with that for a couple of weeks, we would never see the benefits of this high flux model. So what I'm really trying to do with clients is make them aware. Hey, listen, we're in a high calorie environment. There's hyperplatable foods everywhere. We have unlimited food accessibility. And you want to enjoy yourself. A lot of people come to me and they're unhappy with the amount of food, the little amount of food that they're able to maintain their body weight on. So I reframe it like, listen, if you're more active, it doesn't mean you're spending three hours in the gym every day, but you're going to be doing these things at your house on a daily basis anyway. So let's gamify it a little bit. Let's increase the and titrate up the amount that you're doing. Let's put some benefit and reward behind it so it's more incentivizing. And then we can build your caloric intake and your metabolic capacity up with it. That's you know, when you talk on this stuff, you're so well-spoken. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't really know what to say back to that. Um, do you guys have any? Yeah, no. Jeff, I see you raise your hand. I know Jason wants to go, so I'll go to you That's first. I'm going to throw a curveball at you, Brandon. Let's do it. So we've talked about the benefits of G-Flex. We've talked about, you know, getting, you know, people's activity levels up when they're too low and finding creative ways of sneaking it in. Now, what would you do with someone who's um, – you know, already taking, you know, excessive or, or a lot of, a lot of steps. So let's say you're a construction worker who also has SIBO or, you know, your ER nurse who has, you know, a, a flap circadian rhythm with, you know, cortisol dysregulation. So how would you approach a situation like that when G-flux is almost in a, uh, is shedding like a negative light on the Okay. So in the case of, I do have construction workers that I work with. I work with a couple guys that do masonry that are very physically active. What I generally notice with them is that their biggest cause of stress is a mismanagement of time and B not enough food in the system. So they're actually not in a high flux state. Remember it has to be high food intake and high activity. So they're almost like in a metabolically adapted state. They're in what we would consider a uh, red syndrome, which is relative energy efficiency syndrome. So what they're seeing is very high levels of activity, low levels of caloric intake. So some of them don't have good libidos. They don't have good energy levels. They're suffering a lot of these very similar metabolic adaptations, but from the, the energy expenditure side rather than the energy intake side. So when we talk metabolic adaptation in terms of a dieting scenario, it's because we've restricted food intake. But if you're putting yourself in a massive deficit from so much, so much activity, and it's part of your activities of daily living, then we have to confront the other side of the equation, which is the energy intake, which is where with construction workers, with very uh, labor intensive workers, I'm looking to 
titrate up their calories to meet their energy expenditure. And what I'm really looking at is a lot of those guys, they have a really hard time maintaining body weight. They'll lose and they'll fluctuate very heavily up and down with the scale. And what they generally do is because of their schedules, they rely on hyperplatable, highly processed foods. So I'm trying to do is improve food quality. Like I had spoke on last week, a big benefit of improving and increasing food quality is more micronutrients. So that's where I'm breaking out chronometer. I'm running all their inputs. I'm looking at all the micronutrient deficiencies that could be leading to energy deficiencies. And I'm increasing their calorie intake without modifying their activity levels. There's times that I pull them back. You know, there is, you know, we always say it's not more is more. It's, you know, more can be better to a certain extent, but oftentimes less is more. So that's where I'm looking at stress mitigation techniques. I do work with some doctors and some uh, nurses, especially that work wild hours. And that's where we're looking at rebalancing their circadian rhythm on off days, which is very difficult to do. But we're looking at cortisol management. I'm looking at chrononutrition, which is essentially syncing their biological rhythms of nutrition with their, their intake. Because we know that when you eat at night, you're essentially type two diabetic in terms of insulin resistance markers. So that's where I'm looking at the nutritional aspect of what they're doing, because there are certain instances where I'm able to pull down their activity, which is a stressor. But there's other times that someone tells me, listen, bro, this is my career. This is how I make my money. I have, I run a construction crew and I need to be out there 12 hours a day. Well, in that case, that's within the contract of their lifestyle. That is an imposed demand that we need and that is going to be unmodifiable. So on my end as a coach, I need to control what's in my control. I need to pull back their training volume. I need to look at the nutritional tactics. I need to see if I need to utilize liquid meals or liquid calories throughout the day. And I have to teach them about stress mitigation and stress management techniques. Awesome. Thank you, Brandon. Absolutely. Jason, you had one. I did. Uh, so, you know, this is an application episode. So my question is, we talk about with G-Flux, high food intake, high movement uh, steps, however you, however you want to coin it. So let's say someone's using this to prep like I am. And I'm pretty much ready except my back and my glutes. Um, I'm eating 280 protein, 270 carbs, 25 fat off days. I dropped that to 220, and then I hit a refeed of about 500 carbs once a week. I'm at 10,000 steps. I got to get leaner. Do I add more steps or do I start with another pool of 50 carbs? What would you do? Okay. So in this scenario, I'm going to ask you, I, I need some background, obviously, besides that. How much weight have you lost in this period? And are you experiencing any signs of metabolic adaptation? Are you seeing low energy levels? Are you yeah. feeling lethargia, yeah. libido, all those yeah. things that we've spoken about? It's all, it's all, impact. it's all there. Yeah. How much weight have you lost in the process of this diet so far? I started at 190. I've dipped to 182. I am sitting at 186 today, but I mean, you know, let's be honest. I don't do much in the off season when it's time to prep. I prep. So, I mean, I'm gaining muscle. So yeah, absolutely. So you're recomping. So we could say, lost, but I, I've lost, we could say 10 pounds of fat loss. It's so about 5% reduction. It's probably, yeah. Okay. So generally we don't see uh, severe metabolic adaptation until over 10% of body weight loss. So you're not in a, in a great, you're not in a, a bad place right now. You're feeling it obviously because one of the biggest signalers besides energy intake or metabolic adaptation is the level of body fat you have because your leptin levels, I'm sure if you put them on blood work, you would see that they're significantly lower than when you're in the off season. Yeah. So this is where we use a couple methods. How is your energy and fatigue and how are your training sessions? How do you feel? Do you feel if you increase your physical activity through steps that it would make you, you know, impede your recovery more? 
No, I'm recovering pretty well. Um, like when I get to the gym, I feel pretty good. It's the rest of the day. Like when I get back from walking, like I did a 35, 40 minute walk a day, I felt like dog shit when I got back. Um, in the morning when I walk fast, I feel like dog shit. Uh, but when I have a few meals, I go after two meals and I, I get into my flow state, have a little THC. I go in and I fuck shit up. Um, I get nice pumps, but like rest of the day, like you said, libido's down, uh, energy's down. Um, I'm just kind of less zestful for life, which I know it's all part of prep, but I'm just saying like, all right, I know these fucking stubborn ass glutes and, and lower backs got, got a roll. So, you know, we're talking application here. So I just thought I'd use myself. So, so. so we got three things. I'm going to throw you a curveball on this one though. Um, so there's three options that we can utilize. Yep. We could increase energy expenditure through just things that are not going to be taxing. You could stand instead of sit when you're, like I said, you're going to burn a couple hundred more calories. That's going to put you in a further deficit without exhausting your resources. So think about it. The first thing I will say for you, Jason, I would pull your hip. Automatically pull your hip. That puts you in a sympathetic state because it's going to tap the glycolytic system. It's going to make you run through more carbohydrates and it's going to be more exhausted. We see that in clinical studies comparing hit versus list cardio. They actually burn the same amount of calories in the same time period. Unless you're doing pure hit sprint, hit sprints like a, a sprinter would, like an Olympic sprinter. So that's the first thing, pull hit, less exhaustive work. Second thing I would utilize is potentially sitting or standing instead of sitting. The third thing is I would keep your steps the same and say those two, those two applications either were things you didn't want to do or they didn't work. The third thing I was, I would replace the amount of weight that you lost with a weighted vest. The reason for that, think about it, theoretically, a heavier body is a body that expends more energy. So Jason at 190 pounds expended significantly more calories than Jason at 180 pounds. Okay. So we replaced that. Now the other part of utilizing a weighted vest for your normal activities. So now when you did steps, you'd use a 10 pound vest. It's that's a very light amount of weight. I've had clients go up to 20, 30 pounds because of the amount of weight they've lost, but I'm essentially reversing or I'm uh, putting uh, an attenuation on some of the metabolic adaptations that come purely from weight loss, because there is something called gravistat, which is these osteocytes in your bones that sense loading. So with that, your body senses mass. When it loses mass, it stops expending as many energy, as much energy, because it's saying, this is a lighter body. I don't need to expend as much energy. You become more efficient. So how do we reverse that efficiency? Keep your body weight the same. So that's another utilization, or I would increase, I would slowly titrate the steps, but I would do it in this fashion. You just told me that during your training sessions, you feel good. You have a good pre-workout meal. You feel powerful in the gym. Well, let's think about why weight training isn't a good method of burning calories. It's because the only time that you burn calories are during muscular contractions. So if you're in a, the gym for 60 minutes, say for your workout, you're probably only really active five to 10 minutes, actually doing muscular contractions. So that's where I would have you do laps around the gym in between your sets instead of sitting. So that's something that you're going to stay in the zone. It's going to be already, it's no time added to your day. But I utilize that with myself and a lot of prep clients. I say, listen, no compensatory activities. If you were someone that used to go to the water fountain back and forth between all your sets, don't be sitting on your ass during your sets. So it's all these little things we could sneak in activity, but I like doing it, like you said, in your schedule where you have the energy. So it could be the utilization of a weighted vest. There is There's two clinical trials on that. There is the utilization of steps during your workout when you feel best that are not going to be exhaustive or just simply standing instead of sitting. And actually with the increase in blood flow, you'd probably be more productive than when you're sitting. I'll tell you guys, I've, I've done 15 shows at this point. So Jason, I know you've done a quite an uh, amount more, yeah. but I could relate to you. I've been there. Sure. When I'm sitting at my computer doing work, I'm about to nod out. 
prep. Just standing allowed me to be a little bit more cognizant. It helped with my cognitive abilities. And we see that in the literature, but I'll tell you for myself, from a perspective wise, I'm a lot more efficient and productive when I'm standing. Cool. Okay. All right. so I guess increasing the trend isn't an option. <laughs> well, actually wrong. So uh, I increased the trend all through my prep, you know, and of course, because that's just what you're doing. But like I talked about last week, it was by far the least amount of anything I had ever done. I didn't need any fat burners. And overall, everyone around me were like, oh, just pretty tolerable. And, and he's not like your typical closed off asshole, um, except for maybe like the last 10 days where I just got tired. But that is what that is. But I think um, the weighted vest thing, I'm going to do that next time during prep because I can tell the difference. And my whoop is showing the difference with me being back up 10 pounds from, you know, before I started water depletion, um, how I'm burning more. So you're hundred percent correct with that. And well, I went we looking at the studies. We have to think about it from an energy perspective that the biggest contributor to a loss in resting metabolic rate from weight loss comes from a loss of lean body mass. Yep. So think about it, a lighter, if you just took a calorie calculator, which I'm not a fan of whatsoever, there are a lot of inaccuracies. They're on, on average 10% off. So I always say, Coaches are not calculators and people need to realize that. However, if you were to simply take Jeff and put into your metrics or Jason, put in your metrics at 190 and five foot nine, and then you took and put your metrics at 180, you're going to see a drop in your resting metabolic rate, even though that's not hundred percent accurate. It's still going to be accurate in terms of the, the difference in your body weight. So by simply replacing that weight with a weighted vest, it not only helps with the energy expenditure, the energy cost of the exercise that you're already doing, but like I said, it's also that bone sensing where your body, it actually, there's a paper that it's something, the title is something to do with body weight regulation um, methods besides the role of leptin. And it's a different sensing mechanism that does not have to do with leptin, but there is a trial where they looked at obese individuals and they put one in, one uh, subsect of the group with an 11% of their weight in a weighted vest. And then the other group had 1%. So for instance, if you're 200 pounds, 11% would be a 22 pound vest. If you're 200 pounds, 1% would be two pounds. The 11% group saw a much higher uh, reduction in body fat and body, body mass. So overall weight, I think they lost four kilograms or four pounds. However, hear this out. There was no dietary changes. They were at maintenance calories. Just the sensing of the bones, that's the, the explanation that the researchers gave that it's, it gave signals to the body to burn more calories, but also to regulate their appetite. Because think about it, theoretically, if you're in an ad libitum study, if you lost weight, your energy or your uh, appetite would increase. We see in studies that for every kilogram loss, so for every 2.2 pounds, you, you experience a hundred calorie increase in appetite. However, they didn't experience that because they had the weighted vest on top of them. Yeah, I actually bought myself a weighted vest, believe it or not. So that way, when I go through my mini cut sooner or later, after I come on the other side of this mess, it's like, I'm ready to do it. Because I read I mean, that. Using like, years. You get on, uh, on uh, Amazon? Or? Yeah, like yeah. 40 bucks. You utilize, they're not, I'm going to be honest. The reason that they're not in my practical applications and I utilize them very specifically with certain clientele is they're not realistic. To really get the benefits, you would want to utilize it for eight to nine hours a day. That's what the study on obese individuals was on. But I even say, just if you can, utilize it during your cardio. If you were going to burn 300 calories for your allotted amount of cardio, you might burn 400. It is still an increase. And now for the general population, a lifestyle client, that might not add up, or it might not be significant to go through the discomfort. 
But Jason, you're getting on the stage trying to go to Mr. Olympia. So every little percentage counts. And I'll tell you, I have two athletes, competitors that I coach myself that are at the Olympia level. So that's where I bring out these more advanced things. And I do it for myself because I don't have much time. I have two careers. So it's like, if I'm going to do cardio, you know, for 30 or 40 minutes in the morning, I'm loading myself up, you know, cause I'm going to have to do it anyway. So might as well get, you know, yeah. I'm trying to get the greatest, you know, the squeeze out of the juice. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that hundred percent. All right, let's wrap this baby up. Brandon, what are the practical take-homes you would like people to understand about uh, G-Flux to summarize this up? Because we've gone through all sorts of different things from your moms and the great ideas there to your businessmen, you know, construction workers to competitors. How would you like to put the bow tie on this for the week, my friend? So overall, I would just encourage people to move more. Uh, and it doesn't have to be like I covered. It doesn't have to be in terms of exercising more. And often people misinterpret that those, uh, those statements that I make. Sometimes they'll think, oh, I gotta do more training volume. Oh, I have to be on the treadmill more. It's, it's not about that. We're increasing energy expenditure through the movement, but it's more so the, reg the appetite regulating component. So my biggest thing is I don't want clients to rebound. We have incredibly terrible dietary rebound statistics in the US. 95% of people that go on a diet will rebound within three years and regain all the weight they lost. And out of those 95%, 33 to 66% will regain more fat than they had in the first place. And that's why we see a yo-yo dieting epidemic. So what I'm really passionate about is utilizing sustainable methods to elicit fat loss, as well as to maintain a good percentage of that fat loss, where someone ends up with a physique that they're proud of, but they also are able to um, maintain the benefits, both health and body composition wise that they got from the work that they put in. And that's where utilizing a G-Flux model into your lifestyle. Realize that I didn't say that we're gonna increase your time in the gym. I didn't say that we're going to add on, tack on extra sessions and you're gonna be in the gym seven days. These are all things that you could integrate into your daily lifestyle that if we look just a hundred years ago, you know, our, our ancestors were doing anyway. So it's like, let's reverse this modernization, this technology boom, which has caused us to be sedentary. And it has seen obesity rates rise through the roof, as well as the incidence of cardiovascular disease and things of that sort. So my biggest thing is just find something that you love doing it. Don't look at it as exercise and think about the benefits, both from a health perspective, a body composition perspective, but also let's think about it logically. You know, besides our competitors out there, most of us love to eat and even our competitors love to eat except during the times that they, they have to restrict. So it's like, if you're able to put yourself in a position where you're able to build what I call resilience, we want to be resilient in the face of high calorie foods. We want to be able to have an off plan meal and not be scared that the weight or the, the scale is going to rebound 10 pounds the next day. We want to be able to increase our caloric intake so that we're not in this constant mindset of restriction where we have to be counting every little single morsel to make sure that we don't gain weight. So my whole thing is just incorporating more movement. It's going to benefit you health-wise. It's going to benefit you, uh, you know, socially because food is part of our social, part of our society as well as our culture. But it's also going to benefit your body composition. You'll be able to stay leaner, eat more, train more efficiently, have better aerobic capacity, have better blood glucose control. And there's going to have all these downstream effects that impact both you physically, mentally, and psychologically. I agree with that. I mean, in the off season for me, Brandon, I've always loved to keep cardio in and not even for the fact that it allows me to eat more, but more so for the fact that it keeps blood sugars in check, keeps inflammation in check, just allows me to feel better. And of course, you know, let, let's not even talk about like the benefits to cholesterol, just having blood flow constantly throughout your body. Right. 
So there's so many benefits to this. So we really appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, telling us how to apply some of these things that you've been using on your clients. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys, I'll tell you firsthand, I've seen immense, you know, I'm obviously biased towards this because this is a model I've been using over the last couple of years, but I've seen, even I told you guys this last week, even before some of the newer research in 2018 came out, I was utilizing this with people and I was seeing real world benefits. So oftentimes you might've not heard of something. You might not have heard of an approach. Sometimes people will reach out to me about something I'm utilizing with a client or that a client posted that I have them doing. And they'll say, well, I know you're evidence-based or evidence-informed. You know, can you send me a study? And I tell them I can't. I can only tell you what I see with my eyes and with hundreds of people. And I'll tell you, I've seen better blood work. I've seen better body composition results. I've seen better maintenance of fat and weight loss. And I've seen people that have lived more fulfilled lives as a result of getting the hell out of their house and being active with those that they love. I agree with that 100%. And that was the thing, like, you know, you talked about. There's so many different ways that you could do this to actually, like, make it enjoyable and to make it where your life's enjoyable, too, and you're still pursuing your health and fitness. So an absolute great summary, man. Where can everyone find you, Brandon? Where can everyone uh, witness this mastery? All right, guys. The best place to find me would be on Instagram. I'm at Brandon DeCruz underscore. I also have a website if you guys have any questions, Brandon DeCruz Fit. And my uh, email is bdecruzfitness. Feel free to reach out to me for anything you guys need. Once again, guys, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's always a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Dude, thank you so much for joining us. Guys, if you learned anything from this episode, please tag us, share us, and get us out there because this stuff's so cool. And thanks for coming on, Brandon, and being a good sport to test out how we're doing the Excellence Cartel going forward. So, guys, whenever you hear an education episode going forward now, please get – Get us, get to us on social media, tag the Excellence Cartel, myself, Jason, uh, Nick. Let us know your questions. We're going to do the follow-up episodes with either guests or ourselves where we go over your all's questions in the application that you guys might have, like Brandon brought up to kick the episode off, along with our applications we would use too. So be sure to tag us, share us, and Brandon, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. See you all later, guys, at First Forum. Peace.